재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 A worldwide food crisis looms in a near future than we would care to believe. And according to a recent report by the United Nations, despite a sharp slowdown in the rate of population growth, the world population of 7.4 billion people today is expected to rise to 9.7 billion by the year 2050, which would increase food demand by 70% over the coming decades. So to talk about this looming crisis in more detail, we're very pleased to have joining us from the University of Oxford, Professor Charles Godfrey. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor. First, how would you assess the current global food system and how resilient or non-resilient and secure is this current system? I think the food system as it stands today is reasonably uh, resilient, but I worry about several things. I worry about a trend throughout the globe at the moment towards protectionism, and that is to restrict global trade in, um, in food. It seems to me that one of the critical things about a resilient food system is that if there is a problem in one area, then another geographic area can substitute for that. And I think the sort of political move towards a greater protectionism can damage that. And the second thing that worries me is that we are seeing the rise of enormous cities, megacities they're sometimes called, especially in the global south and especially in sub-Saharan Africa. These are cities such as Lagos Mm -hmm. and Kinshasa and Dar es Salaam. And these are cities which contain a very large number of people that at least for the foreseeable future have to be fed by purchasing commodities and global markets. And I worry that that a relatively small increase in the price of grain and other food commodities and global markets might mean that uh, poor people in these big urban centers might not be able to afford food. So I'm overall fairly optimistic about the resilience of our of our global food system but those are the two things that concern me most right now uh, according to the world food program professor uh, an estimated one in nine people currently do not get enough food to lead a healthy life Um, despite the optimism that you've expressed what are in your views some of the pressing issues that we should address as a global community I, i think we should remember that the one in nine people who um do not get enough food. The reason for that is most of them do not have an income that enables them to buy the food. So it's not that the world, at least at the moment, could not produce that food. It is just that these are very poor people who cannot uh, buy that food or do not have the wherewithal to produce the, the, the food themselves. So much of this residual hunger is an issue of development rather than in producing enough food globally. And although the statistic you quote is a terrible statistic, we should also remember that the fraction of people who, who are hungry have gone down really quite dramatically in the last 40 or 50 years. The uh, Millennium Development Goal on the uh, proportion of people hungry was met. So there is good news, but mm. this should obviously um, not make us complacent about the challenge ahead. And the most pressing issue, the most pressing issue to me looking ahead over the next couple of decades is the rise in the aggregate demand. And by that I mean not only there will be more people in the world, you quoted the statistic of just under 10 10 billion people by mid-century, but many of them will be wealthy, be more wealthy, which is a good thing, 
but they'll be demanding more food, and they'll be demanding foods such as meat, which re require more resources to produce. So to me, one of the pressing issues facing the global food system is to reduce our consumption of these types of food. And that is a particular issue in the rich world, in North America and in Europe, where we're eating uh, far too much meat, and that is both making us unhealthy and having consequences for global food security. And that's an interesting point that I would like to follow up with you on, is that long-running debate, and I, I suppose it's not a debate on, on, on the side of the advocates, that raising cattle, livestock, and, and the, uh, the greenhouse gas emissions it takes and the inefficiency of it with, with, uh, with uh, agriculture and feeding uh, the relatively wealthier population with meat and people saying that this is not sustainable, um, alternative sources of protein. We don't have to debate, let's say, vegan or non-vegan, but um, even looking at insects uh, in the long run as a viable protein source. This seems like a very difficult sell to, to the wealthier nations and their populations, right? It is a very uh, uh, difficult sell, but it's a sell that nevertheless should be uh, attempted. And I think it should be attempted in, one way, in two ways. Uh, the first is we should um, move more towards a realistic pricing of food. So where you do have a food type that, has major, that produces major public disbenefits, major public bads, such as greenhouse gas uh, emissions, then some of the costs of those bads should be incorporated in the, um, in, in the uh, price of that food. I think it would make sense to increase the price of the most harmful foods and decrease the price of the least harmful foods. And secondly, I think we just begin, uh, have to continue um, informing people about the consequences of the different diets they eat, both to their health, both to the environment, and both for global food security. As far as then the policymakers around the world, and we saw even on a more macro level with the Paris talks and how difficult it was to get uh, hundreds of countries together and agree on this multilateral accord, are you confident that um, various leaders with competing agendas, competing national interests can get together to, to find some kind of cohesive policy that could address these issues that you're citing? Well, I, I'm, I'm hopeful more than confident. The reason why I'm hopeful is I think that there is an increasing realization that, uh, especially as we make tremendous progress on combating, for example, infectious diseases, that such a major driver of our own personal, personal health is the, uh, is the food that we eat. Um, secondly, um, I think that there is an increasing realization of the consequences of issues such as climate change and also food insecurity. We saw in 2008 and 2010 um, what can happen, for example, in North Africa when there is a relatively small increase in, in the price of food. Now, I fear that we might need to see more shocks such as that before policymakers really get energized and really uh, take action. But uh, I fear that, but I hope that policymakers may take action that will stave off these issues rather than react to them. It was just a few years ago when we had those global spikes in commodities like grains. Do you think volatility is also in the future as we go forward? Uh, I, I do. Um, I mean, before answering that question, I, I would note that the volatility we saw in 2008 and 2010 
was much less than the volatility that we saw in the mid-70s that was associated with the crisis uh, on oil prices. So um, we are more susceptible to volatility at a time when I think volatility is increasing. I think volatility is increasing for a number of reasons. One is that as we will begin to see the effects of climate change, the first effects of climate change we are likely to see is an increased incidence of, uh, of um, extreme events, floods, droughts, mm. etc., which will affect food supply. I also suspect, although I don't know this for certain, that the um, globalized economic system that we have at the moment, which is far more connected than it was 40 or 50 years ago, that uh, it tends to um, exaggerate volatility rather than dampen it. Mm. And I think a challenge for policymakers is to stress test the global food system and actually ask, how can we put in place governance uh, procedures that means that the, that the right. uh, global food system tends to damp the um, volatility, as well as being able to supply food to geographic areas that are, are suffering right. shortages. We're going to have to leave it there, but Professor Godfrey, thank you so much for joining us and for your time. Thank you very much. Soul City News up next.